On today's show, a lot of heartburn over the proposed food tax increase. And the question, censure over impeachment. Representative Ben McAdams is on the censure train. Tune in Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11 for Dave and Dijanovic. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, Talk to us at Cordell and Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership. I'm Jess Larson. This is part two of our interview with Dustin Ott. What I would be doing is is making improvements. And so every everywhere I've been, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. When I, when I was hired, people knew what I was, knew what my capabilities were. And so what naturally happens is that you'll have people that will approach me or you about, hey, I'd love to learn. If you missed part one, please go back and listen to that. Um, Dustin, thinking about this idea of lean and continuous improvement, enterprise excellence, there's all these different names for it. Um, when you think about organizations that they want to help the whole organization become more like the Toyota production system and have everybody feel like they get to bring their brain to work. It's not the people who do and the people who think. Um, and so often when stuff gets started, it, it's it's almost overwhelming for people to start paving new roads over the deep ruts that are their previous habits. What advice do you have for leaders who are saying, no, I want to have you know this respect for every person, infiltrate everything, and, and we want everyone here helping make sure that what we're doing is stuff that's actually valuable for a customer. What kind of advice do you have for overcoming that initial resistance from staff? Yeah, that's, a, that's another great question. Um, I think one of the things, that if, I, if I kind of look back at you know, what I've done, um, I think there's probably two things. First of all is to, uh, to just do a little bit of education. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a 101 uh, kind of a teaching exercise where, and I, I really like to show. So, so you can have the lecture piece of it, and you can you can tell it, you know, you educate on the principles, and those are great, right? But if you can show people, um, you know, that goes so much further. And so, you know, I, I have this little pen simulation that I use, and we 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 um, we set up these uh, a push system which is the traditional mass manufacturing method. And then we go to a, a pole system using this Japanese term called Kanban. And then we, you know, we, we eliminate the Kanban and we go to an even much more improved system, a flow system. And we keep track of the metrics as we go through each iteration of this process. And so the, you can see that on the scoreboard, the results are irrefutable. You're going to get more out. You're going to do it right. You know, you're going to get better quality. You're going to be more efficient. Um, all of the metrics just go in the right way. And it's and the thing is the people were the ones that um, did that went through the, the improvement exercise themselves. So there's no argument as to the benefits of flow systems and pull systems over the traditional push systems. And the other benefit is that they get to see the principles in action right in front of them. So they, they can conceptually see it. So I always like to do that, and that's just kind of giving people 
you know, the basics of, you know, here's what lean is and here's how it operates. As you know, there are so many tools and so many methods and principles that you could just literally overwhelm people uh, with information. But to me, that's like a push system. You know, you're, you're pushing information on people when they're not ready for it. And, you know, at my age now and with the number of experiences I have, I have this huge toolkit or toolbox that I can draw upon. So I can go into about any process, whatever it is, and say, okay, well, let's, let's, let's use this tool. And so I can use the right tool at the right time and then educate people. So that being said, the other thing I like to do is lead by example. And there's, there's probably no better thing that a leader can do than just go dig into a process together with your people. And it's not, it's not um, doing the process for them. It's just doing it with them. And, and as you go through that, you're going to teach them and show them some of the principles or some of the tools that are available. And I, I love going through I love to do that. It's so much fun. I don't know why some of us are wired, uh, wired that way, but I just love making processes visible and improving them. And, um, you know, it's something that I do every single day. Um, even today, we, we've had two processes that, you know, that we, you know, that we, we've, there were some, we had some failures um, with some of our customers. And so we dove into the process to find out what those failures were. And it was a collective effort. It's not me with all the answers, because I certainly don't have all the answers. And I don't know the process, but let's make that process visible so we can all see it, understand it, know together so we can decide together on how we're going to move forward. So two things, probably, you know, just basic education. And again, I like like a, the, the simulation. I love simulations and I have one that works really well with some metrics and then leading by example. I think those are probably the two keys to overcoming the inertia that's in every organization. Yeah. You know, it's interesting how easy it is when we think, okay, we need folks to approach things in a new way. We want to, we want to change the perspective they've got on it <laughs> quickly. Let's grab some PowerPoint and go to the conference room. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah, and like, I think about Mylan, our, our company, you know, it took us three and a half years to get to the model we do now where we have a kind of a proprietary coaching methodology we, we've been using on our clients, these different, you know, CEOs and commanding generals. And now we're teaching it to managers and leaders to do on their staff of like, yeah. hey, what if mm -hmm. you earned more of a relationship by taking your self-interest hat off every once in a while and take the boss hat off and just <laughs> help them? Right? Yeah, yeah. And, mm -hmm. um... You know, the first time we really went this direction, we got great response. But the people who were in the course, they didn't get good at it. They just like said, oh, that was a great course, right? Yeah. Um, and the two days were over. And, you know, two weeks later, it was probably fuzzy. And two months later, nobody could remember it is my mm -hmm. guess, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we, we switched to this new thing where we just do a couple hours a week for eight weeks in a row that, you know, an hour and a half of the, that is them actually doing it. And shocker, everybody's like, really liking yeah. it and they clients keep ordering more of it and i'm like what were we doing for the first three years yeah <laughs> why weren't yeah. we out there learning by doing why were we trying yeah. to do learning by lecture yeah exactly you know i think another thing that i think really helps is that that people find out that process improvement is kind of fun you know and it's nothing to be afraid of and especially if you can do it in a way in which is non-threatening 
like you can get people's buy-in on things and you know their their job they're not in trouble for this broken process that they're just happen to be a part of right and uh and so i think people i think people do enjoy um making things better they really do they want to work in a better place so yeah it's interesting how letting them make the success you know if if they give them half an hour and they have their own win that's worth mm-hmm. like five hours of me telling them they could have oh, a win. Oh yeah, totally, totally agree. Yeah, I mean, and people know their people know their job, their work, their process better than anybody else. The people that do it daily, they're they're the they're the closest to it. So if you can just tap into that, and then you know, if I think back to my OC Tanner experience, for instance, um, you know, my my boss there just enabled me to do amazing things. That's that's all it was, right? He created an environment where, where I could, I had this lab, I could go experiment, and he just encouraged me along that whole process, and and I had a ton of fun doing it. I mean, I just had a blast, and you know, in the process, I made, I I, I have, I built these amazing relationships with with people, you know, that we still maintain today, you know, and I haven't worked there for 15 years, but we still stay in touch just because it, we just had so much fun going through that whole learning and growth process together. You know, one thing I really admire about those guys, you know, af, you know, after I found out they were, had won the Shingo prize, I went on tours over there and started to meet some of them. Right. And, um, Gary Peterson kind of became a bit of a mentor of mine. And, mm-hmm. um, he like, He's probably my one of my very favorite, if not very favorite, episode we've had on the show out of 250 mm-hmm. of them so far. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And it Gary's feels awesome. right. I feel like there's this approach of like, yes, we got to get our work done, but it's almost like the bigger reason we're here is to like to shape the long-term capabilities of the people, not the can we crank this out by the end of the month. Like it's it's almost like. A, a talent development business as much as it is. Can we crank out these widgets business? Yeah. You know, and that, that just goes back to a lot of that is Gary himself. Right. And just the type of leader he is, you know, this is so ironic. We're talking about Gary because today he just reached out to me and um, said some, you know, he, he, you know, he just complimented me on some things and um, you know, he didn't have to do that. You know, I know he's busy. He's got a million things going on. But here's my boss from uh, 15 years ago reaching out and saying, "Is Hi. he who your boss was?" Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So I work, I work for Gary. So, but that's just Gary. But that's 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 the you know he created an environment for us to thrive. And and I will say this, um, it was a he created an environment of expect high expectations too. I mean, there was accountability. I mean, I couldn't go two weeks with not having a, a discussion with him where I had to show my metrics and show improvement on my metrics, right? But I also know Gary really cared, right? If I was failing in my job, he understood, and um, he was there to help me. But he also expected me to to make things better. And it was, it, you know, looking back on the whole thing, it was just a huge growth um experience for me and, and the rest of us. I mean, the amount of learning that I think I did in that four years when I was with OC Tanner was, was, was probably the most accelerated period of growth in my whole career. And it was all due to uh, the environment that was there in Gary's leadership. Yeah. Well, let's do this. Let's take a quick break from the sponsor and then I'll get another question for you. Okay, great. 
So, Dustin, um, my next question for you is kind of similar to guests we just had on the show, Art Byrne, um, you know, pretty famous in the space. And you hear yep. about how he can acquire a company like Wiremold and they they do these processes and they let, you know, they, they let everybody play this team sport together instead of just management and and they yeah. really accomplish this. It becomes the way things are done around there. And in like nine years, they grew the enterprise value by twenty five hundred percent. And so like the inner investor in me gets all excited when I hear those kind of numbers to then mm -hmm. find out it includes like I think he bought over 20 companies during that period and he he then goes on to participate in private equity fund doing the same thing in other organizations. And it's not a one-time lucky shot. Like it's a systematic thing that if people master can be done over and over. Um, yeah. In your mind, in your mind, um, knowing that that's not possible if it's just the folks in operations or just the engineers or just the, the lean guy or just the continuous improvement expert, you know, that's not going to be possible. What advice do you have for folks who want to help the whole organization want to play this as a team sport instead of just that thing operations does? That's a good point. Um, so here's what I found, you know, from my senior leadership roles that I've been in is that you get, it's so easy to get bogged down in just the, the minutia of running a business. I mean, there's like, you know, a million problems and, um, you know, you're either trying to, you know, solve problems or figure out how to manage growth or whatever it might be. And um, one of the things I have found is that it's super important that you do have somebody internally that can just focus on the continuous improvement. Um, because again, leaders and executives can just get so busy doing things. That being said, those leaders and executives um, also have to be leading the charge for continuous improvement and set the example. Well, and th um, that's what I want to talk about is, you know, let's say it's not the CEO who, who gets the bug first here. How does, mm -hmm. how does another executive or how does somebody else in the organization, what, what would you do to attract management to come want to try it out themselves and actually see it themselves and, and experience the metrics themselves and gain that, that new perspective? How do you get, what, what would you be doing to, to make it attractive enough that they take time out of whatever they were going to do and now build some of this into their schedule to come see, you know, to come see it themselves? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think just what I would be doing is, is making improvements. And so every, everywhere I've been, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. When I, when I was hired, people knew what I was, knew what my capabilities were. And so what naturally happens is that you'll have people that will approach me or you about, hey, I'd love to learn uh, more about this. And so you start to gravitate to those people and you pull them in and, and you start to use them to help. Um, you educate them on what the principles are and then you can go out and start making improvements and then give them projects where they can go have some successes and some wins and, and you can help them out with it. Um, so that's, that's, but for me, as long as I'm making improvements myself, there's always somebody that wants to come along. <laughs> so, um, kind of let success speak for itself post, you yeah. know, show it in the numbers instead of just claim it'll do good. Yeah. And it, it doesn't matter what level you're at in an organization or what your role is. If you're actively on the proactive side of making improvements to a process, it doesn't matter where you're at. Any leader in any organization is going to value that effort because even if it was not expected of you as an associate and you're making improvements, 
they, I mean, that's how you get promoted in organizations is once you, once you have enough of those experiences and you know how to make things better, you become invaluable at that point. And, uh, you know, leaders, senior leaders will reach out to you to, uh, you know, to, to, to help make things better somewhere. They'll put you on the biggest problems in the company because you've, you know, you're so good at, you know, fixing things. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, you know, maybe as, as kind of a thing in closing, uh, I'd love to get you to weigh in on is you, you kind of mentioned it, but, but maybe we didn't call it out specifically. Um, I think another reason that this methodology is so interesting to me is, um, again, back to this, like, it makes a lot of money and people like their job better. It's like the best yeah. of both worlds, right? Mm-hmm. But one of the things, and you kind of brought this up, is this this idea of when something goes wrong, instead of finger pointing and saying, this person messed us up and causing mm-hmm. defensiveness and stuff, there's like mm-hmm. this uh, predilection to say, what did we not properly design about this system that an error yes. like that is possible? And yes. instead of instead of embarrassing people or getting people's defensiveness, it's like take a look in the mirror. What did I yes. not? What did I not take responsibility for in the creation of the system that yeah. errors like that are possible? And rather than cry over my spilled milk about it, what are we going to do about it so that it's error proof yeah. for the next time? Can, can you talk about this principle? Yeah. So um, this is what we call the five five whys before the five who's. And um, so there's a there's a principle in the in lean thinking that basically says um, if you ask why five times you'll get to the root cause of the problem. So it's not just asking one why you know and, and fixing that. It's like well let's keep asking why until you get to you know, the root cause and you know, prevent errors from you know surfacing again. But you know really um, leaders within organizations are the are the owners of processes. And what I've found is that within organizations, there's, 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 there's processes and some of those were intentionally designed or architected and others were not. And so it just by default became how you, how you do something. And if it's just a, you know, a default kind of process, you're asking for problems and, and people will struggle within those processes. So, you know, when things go wrong, um, if you're the type of person that's going to blame somebody, yeah, you're you're looking at things totally wrong because, as the leader, you're the owner of of, of all the processes, and so, you know, you got to first go to the process and say, you know, what's my role in in the ownership of this process, and and then, you know, why is this process not working? How can we make it better? And of course, you want to involve people in that whole process as you. You know, look at look at um, how you do things and how to make them better. But really, leaders are the are the owners or the architects of how businesses operate. And so, like when I look at small businesses, for instance, um, they're they're super competitive and are um, competing really well with bigger companies. Is because they have intentionally architected processes that enable them to be, you know quicker, faster, more efficient, whatever it might be, and disrupt the business, you know, the methodology in some way that you know, their competitors haven't. So process ownership is, is huge, and um, all leaders need to understand that they was, they're the owners of them. I love this term. I'm totally going to plagiarize you now. Uh, intentional, intentionally architected. It really intentionally does, architected, yeah. yeah it, it really does describe it so well. It's like 
don't just act, think, you know, like, yeah, if we would think harder instead of being in such a rush, it's, it's amazing. The like Pareto principle efficiencies, 80, 20 efficiencies that are available oh, yeah. with a little extra thinking. Right. Yeah. And you know, people hate to work, you know, you've heard this before as well, but you know, if you put a good person in a bad process, the process is going to beat that good person up. Um, but if you, so the, the, the process always wins and, uh, if you can just get uh, good people and great processes, you can have great results. And so imagine what happens if you get great, great people and great processes together. You get amazing things can happen. Um, but people have to realize that it's the process that's superior, you know, and good processes um, are, are really what can enable success and uh, wealth and a lot of other things. Um, but we just have to make them visible and we have to be intentional about them. We can't just, you know, by default, you know, this is how we do things. And, and, you know, and that's invite when you... everybody to play, like everybody yeah. gets to be a part of making this process better. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not just the special people. In fact, if anybody's the special people, it's the people who are closest to the work, not the people back absolutely. in the office. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fun. Right. That's, that's when you get to be creative and, uh, and use your mind rather than just, you know, home, home, do your, do your job. That's boring stuff. Yeah. I so, love it. Yeah. Well, listen, thanks for, thanks for doing this. Thanks for coming on. You're welcome. Thanks, Jess. Glad to, glad to be on the show. Yeah. It's been fun. Well, that's it for the episode. One other thing I wanted to tell you about, if you'll remember the guys from convoy, uh, in episodes back, Ken free and, Trent Mano. I went on one of their CEO trips to New York and I met a guy named Brent Thompson, very successful entrepreneur. He was former CEO of Jive Communications, big uh, company now, I think three or $400 million. Anyways, he, uh, he started a new company called blipbillboards.com. I'm super stoked they're a sponsor now. But I, I remember a year and some ago when I met him, I thought it was genius. Instead of having to buy six months or a year's worth of billboard um, for thousands of dollars, you can buy eight seconds at a time for like 10 or 20 cents. You pick what billboard you want it on, what time of day you want it to run. And it just puts so much power in the hands of, of marketers and CEOs who want to try something and see if it works. You can buy as many or as few as you want, change it as many times as you want. Uh, I think now our podcast is being advertised on billboards in like 18 different states because we have these guys as sponsors. We're pretty excited about it. Hope you check out blipbillboards.com. Thanks. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.